I am Leland here with my co-host Elizabeth. Hi, everybody. And we are back to discuss another uh, genre, sci-fi... Franchise. Thing. Yeah, all those things. Subtle name change. (laughs) (laughs) The Lost in Sci-Fi to Genre Podcast. Sure, yeah. Uh, Adam Nimoy, uh, Leonard Nimoy's son, uh, wrote and directed... Well, writes a strong word because it's... It's a lot of of interviews. Yeah. yeah. Um, He he did a movie. um, Him and his father started doing a movie a couple years ago called For the Love of Spock. And then, of course, Leonard Nimoy tragically died due to complications of lungs. He was a a pulmonary obstruction something. And it's possibly... Years of cigarette smoking, basically. Um, Not cancer, but the next best thing that cancer for lung... Mm -hmm. Anyway. Uh, And he, you know, sadly he died last year and... Or a few years ago. And this was now released um, last summer in theaters, small independence theaters, now on Netflix. If you are a Trek fan or a fan yes. of Linder Nemo in general, this is a great documentary. It is really sweet. Um, his son really outdid himself. And it was nice to get to know his son in the documentary mm-hmm. through his father's writing and photographs. Like I really felt like I got to know Adam by the end of the documentary, yeah. which was really nice because he was very open with... I did a lot of bad things. Me and my father did a lot of bad things. Yeah. We didn't get along. Yeah, and which, that my father was a difficult person to get to know. Yes, also, and yeah. and it is you know, and it is not like we've heard that sad sob story before from Hollywood children that that the the father or mother is an actor or actress and they are on set. Yeah. 15, 16 hours a day, and then when they come home, they're still on set, yeah. but they're physically at the house. Yeah. Also, that yeah. the whole like. The super celebrity status that he reached meant that there were always photos and there yeah. were always people. And he talked about feeling like I have to compete with millions of other people for my father's love and attention and feeling like I was usually losing. Yeah, you know? and, yeah. and it's a real thing that I'm sure a lot of Hollywood children have learned to deal yeah. with or, you know, a lot of therapy. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to hear him speak about it openly right. and it very, very candid, very like, this is a thing that happened. I've made peace with it now. Yes. But he's clearly, what, he had in his 50s? Yeah, yeah. So you have to imagine that he made peace with it before being 50? You That's a lot of years of was. anger and drug use that, and was he, two marriages and children? Yeah. Like, you know, so he went through the ringer just as his father went through the ringer. They didn't really talk about the daughter a lot, but it wasn't her documentary. No, so, but she was, she did have a lot of things to say. Yeah. I mean, I think. She was more positive. I feel yeah. that she had a more positive. Yeah relationship with him than say Adam did but it was still a positive relationship towards the end of their lives also from what she's saying like you look at her as she's being filmed in this and what she's saying and everything and I kept on thinking she's very guarded so I know there's a lot of stuff that I think she's the type of person that didn't want to put dirty laundry out there no no so I'm sure her relationship with her father wasn't great but it also was not maybe as bitter as uh, as with Adam's relationship sure. and, but um, and yeah, she was that, very careful with everything she was saying she was and but it is that trope that you know fathers and sons have yeah. issues if you're very much like your father yeah you know it's very much mommy's little boy daddy's little girl like that is a thing like yeah. it's a terrible stereotype to say but it's a true yeah. thing you know what 
I yeah. had somehow all this time been unaware. I guess it's because it wasn't. He was too careful and composed and dignified a person. Like a lot of people were talking about, he was a very noble person, very dignified. Yeah. I hadn't known about his uh, Leonard Nimoy's drinking problem. God no, he never looked like he had. You know what it is? He, he didn't. He never looked bloated. Yeah, exactly. Like, you also, at, you didn't you, have any scandals out in the media. No. Like so and so gets arrested. DUI, exactly. All that and kind he of stuff. never went on Twitter and was crazy yes. like Shatner. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> right. Like, you know. Right. But yeah, but it's it was like. He was an alcoholic, and yeah. it definitely affected his life, and he ended up finally getting some therapy to deal with it, but I'd never heard about it. Not even No, and even if you, he just never looked like he was the type of person that felt the need to have the alcohol for his addicted personality. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I get the idea that that's honestly probably what alcoholism looks like most of the time it's not like it's not big splashy police events it's not rehab centers it's people who are doing something very unhealthy that's not actually making them any happier but it's what they're doing just to. yeah and and, and i'm not an alcoholic i can't speak um i have my own views on alcoholism that are widely not considered normal i I, (laughs) I guess um, I have a hard time with the, the word disease no, when it comes true. to alcoholism. Yeah. Um, nothing against the people that believe it is a disease. I don't want to take that away from them. Um, but when you have family members that legitimately get sick and die of diseases, yeah. like cancer or something like that, it's a little hard. It is a little hard for me to look at it and go, "Oh, that's a disease. You didn't catch it." Right. And then there is the whole thing. Oh, it's hereditary. It could be. Again, mm-hmm. not saying it is. Mm-hmm. I, just from my own personal view of life and what I the way I have lived I don't see it as a disease I do believe in a addict, addictive personalities yes, though yes I do believe in that because even I fall prey to that right. you know like I love online shopping <laughs> to the point where I have to stop right. now granted online shopping alcoholism not the same thing well, it's, it's but I'm talking about idea, addiction in general what you were talking about with like yeah. it being a disease and you've actually lost people to actual diseases it's similar to like what um um Craig Ferguson talks about, you know, because his, I love, he's got a great... His book is great, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. read it and listened to it, it's fantastic. But uh, he had an episode where he was talking about, it was right after, what's her name, Uh, shaved her head, went crazy. Oh, Uh, Brittany? Brittany, yes. Where he had decided that he was not going to use her as the butt of the jokes because he recognized what she was going through. Yeah. And he talks about being an alcoholic. And he makes a line about people... You know, so I say I'm an alcoholic, and people are like, oh, you know, I, I'm a chocoholic. And he's like, yeah. well, your addiction to chocolate never landed you in jail in Tijuana. So, you know. No, it's, it's like, true. And that's why I don't ever want to, like, I'm like, I'm not being um, shitty towards any specific person in the who is in the 12-step program. Yes. Who believe, if, the, if they believe it is a disease, then I'm fine with that. I don't necessarily need it needs to be classified as a disease. I think it needs to be classified as a definite problem. Sure. You know? It's like people um, talk about... It's funny you look at the um, the track record for uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is apparently really low. The people who go into the program and actually manage to kick the disease, yeah. well, disease or the problem, whatever you want to call it, very low percentage. And yet it's the most successful way people have of getting out of it. Sure, and, so and you're whatever like, people need wow. to do. Yeah, but that's, like, that's kind of, that's sort of, well, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it doesn't have a great track record, but it's better than other things that people do. And I'm like, sure. that's a And I scary. think Craig makes a, a, a perfect statement with the, the Chocoholly thing. Like, that's why I don't want to ever downgrade my opinion as, oh, I, I'm right. I am not right. <laughs> I'm just saying my life has shown me this. Right. But I also do not have any alcoholic issues in my family. Right. Um, and if I do, I'm completely unaware of them because they're just not 
they're public. like they're I've they're like they're Linda Nimoy. No one knows. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's what it looks like. Oh, we'll move off this. We got sidetracked, but it was Leonard Nimoy adjacent. I have but never realized it. Though. No, um, I thought the documentary was really good. But what I wanted to talk about is what what makes it so good. Is how much I realized I love the shit out of Spock. He really, yes. He captured, they had that one bit where they talked about the fact that Captain Kirk was supposed to be the main character of the show. And the show comes out and everybody's instantly like Spock, 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 Spock. Well, he was the alien. But he was so, I mean, Catherine and I, that's absolutely what drew us to Star Trek. We're like, who is this guy with the pointy ears who says he has no emotions? Yeah, he's clearly more interesting. He's also like... They pointed out that Leonard Nimoy never played him as an alien who doesn't have emotions. He played him as someone who is always keeping the tightest rein on his emotions ever. Which is how I prefer to think of my Vulcan. Like, yeah. it's weird when they, like, even in, they, they talk about, you know, purging all emotions in the Kulinar. And you're yeah. like, okay, but... That's too easy, honestly. But, but they're clearly the most emotional, vile, tol- I mean, them and the Klingons yeah. are the most emotional races. Yeah. Like, you watch, you're just like, yeah, you say you have no emotions. Yeah. But everything you just said yeah. was chock full of emotion. But that's, I mean, after having him said that, he's like, I'm not playing it as somebody who has none. I'm playing yeah. as somebody, like, they had that one scene that they showed in the documentary of when, what's his name, the Commodore uh, took control of the ship. Oh, and yeah, Spock yeah. is telling him, you know, it's... Basically telling him, I, I don't, I, the last time you did something like this, you ended up with a destroyed ship and a dead crew. Yeah. And you watch him say that line and you can, you can feel the anger and the rage underneath yeah. it. He is very composed. Well, it, I, it also kind of stems from, um, and I must be Spock as Spock as a character, not as Leonard Nimoy's sure. interpretation of the character. Because we have seen two Spocks now, yes. essentially. But we have seen several Vulcans yeah. over the last 50 years. And each one brings their own thing to the table. But, like, I think a lot of people forget Spock is also half human. Right. So he kind of is slightly more emotional than, yes. say, other Vulcans are. The purest Vulcan we had seen up until Enterprise would probably be Tuvok. Yeah. Now that's a brother who is emotionless well but hilarious he is like everything he said was so funny but but it wasn't intended to be funny funny for us because we get the idea that oh he's a vulcan he's saying it because he has no emotion to it Mm. but damn that's he's the funniest dude on that ship he he really is but he's also a vulcan who is used to dealing with humans and i think that changes them a lot they're just like oh i recognize what you're doing right now he was like 86 or something Mm -hmm. like and he had been a starfleet officer left and come back because of like you said he learned to deal with the humans and stuff like his like look i'm not, not a huge fan of neelix fine but them together Yes. Always kind of entertaining. Yes. You yes. Know, it's like, I could I could take the Elix. Now, <laughs> we did get to see another Vulcan. We didn't get to see him a lot, but he certainly got established, you know, um, Spock's father. Oh, Sarek, yeah. He's pure is, Vulcan. He yeah. is, but the interesting thing is he's pure Vulcan and he doesn't have any human blood, but he flat out chose to marry a human woman. Actually, he married two human women. Yeah, and I love in the, in the new movie where he's just like, he goes, to marry your mother was logical. And you're like, all right, I get it. 
But then at the end, after she died, just like he's like, I married her because I loved her, and yeah. you just like see, and that's the thing is like for an entire race that says they don't have any emotion, yeah. he's straight up like, no, no, love is why I did. Yeah. Well, that's like the biggest emotion. Yeah. So it always can. It's like that's why I love Vulcans because you're like you say you're you're emotionless, but you're not. Did you ever read Spock's World? That no, time? you've told me about it though. God, yeah. I need to reread it. I just remember, and they have like Sarek meeting Amanda. That was her name, right, Amanda? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. They have when they met and how they kind of like ended up falling in love and everything. And it's really, it's lovely. I like it. But it's also, it goes into the stories of a lot of Vulcans. And no, they're not emotionless. They yeah. just, they're just, they believe that if they were to let their emotions run wild, it'd destroy them. So because they came from a race that, yeah. I mean, their ancestors were yeah. a, like, from you get a savage Klingon-like behavior. Yes. So they purged it. And now they have what they have. Like, um, I love T'Pol. We've talked yes. about T'Pol DeBoer. I always enjoyed her version of a Vulcan. But she's very much Spock-like. Yeah. yeah. She's just the female version of Spock, but was slightly more um, sarcastic. Yeah. And we yeah. we got to see, I mean, obviously people made the comparison that Data was the Spock of Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Because he said, I have no emotions, I have no emotions. Like he's the like, most emotional person on that fucking ship. Yeah. But it's it's always like the Vulcans and Data, they're the window that we see humanity sure. from. You know, that's we call attention to certain things that we don't notice anymore, but they're like, really, why do you do that? And we're like, I don't know, why do I do that? Yeah, you know? It's um there's been a couple other Vulcans along the way. Like, um I, I really oh, Savic. Oh yes, I remember Savic. Savic, yeah, Christ, Christy Alley is Savic, and and then you know she left due to either whatever drama they had with a contract yeah. dispute or whatnot, and then Robin Sirtis came in, who was fine. I thought, well, I she's mean, fine. She's yeah. doing a. She's doing good. If we had started with her, mm-hmm. then it would have been like, oh, she's great. Yeah. But because we were started with Christy Alley, and you look at you like that is not the same person. Right. Um, I I do enjoy Lieutenant Savic. I think she's a good character. Now in writing, though. They have made the distinction that Lieutenant Savick was half Romulan. Yes, yes. Which is never brought up in the movie, so it's kind of like, okay, just because you say it in something, is it canon? Because that was the stipulation at the end of the movie um, when Spock dies and Kirk makes his big speech. They cut to Savick and she cries. And apparently William Shatner never, he hated that she cried really? because they don't have emotion to cry and then this oh she's half Robbie I'm just like okay are we just saying shit like I I don't understand I know Catherine and I have probably talked to you about this before that the novelization for Wrath of Khan oh is so much better my god it's brilliant but it shows her on two kind once when Spock dies and once when Scotty's nephew died which she had a close relationship I mean just her just losing it and it actually like makes you cry just reading the book I can think of like Literally, I can count the books in my life I've read that have actually made me cry on uh-huh. two hands. That's one of them. I mean, it's, it's, Savick's a great character. It was a shame that they never brought her back in any form. Or, but then there was always, and we've discussed this before, I believe, but like the, there was always the fan rumor, or maybe it was a rumor, or maybe they thought about doing it for one of the movies, but it never took place, mm. was that when she was on the Genesis planet with Spock and yeah. he went through his Ponfar a couple times. Yes. That she had a Spock baby. I wouldn't be surprised. And it would it make just more like, sense. It clearly would have made, that's why she stayed on Vulcan yeah. with his parents at the end of part, or at the beginning of part four because you're like, oh, is she pregnant? Yeah, and she exactly. never said anything. And you're like, 
what? Because I feel that would have been a really great storyline to revisit. Son of Spock? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then I believe I, there's been a con- conflicting reports online, and even on the DVD they were very like, meh, 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 meh. If Kim Cattrall's character in Star Trek VI, yes. the rumor was it was supposed to be maybe Lieutenant Savick, yeah. but Christy Alley couldn't come back, so then they made it Lieutenant Valeris, I now, think. they did admit in the movie that she was half Romulan, didn't they? No, but she was conspiring oh, with the with Romulans, Romulans. Okay. To, for right. the Klingons. All right. But I enjoyed her as a Vulcan, but I think I just like Kim Cattrall as an actress. Yeah. And, but, um, also, I really like that movie. I love that That's, movie. that's, that's, that's really one of the better one. ones. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I've, I've read some stuff, and I've read... Uh, I've read... Blah, 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 blah. I've read some stuff online and I've heard some people on other podcasts complain about Spock's, I'm going to say violation because I just don't want to say the other word. Okay. Uh, where he, oh yeah, where he basically mind violated her yes. to find out the secret of where, and, and a lot of people were saying that was out of car- Spock's characterization. And mm. I was like, maybe, but. One, you're dealing with Spock 2.0, yeah. who has been reborn on the Genesis planet. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it was a conspiracy to save his best friend. Mm-hmm. And it was his both his best friends. And the entire galaxy hung in a balance between war. Yeah. I think, as as not to you know make a joke out of it, the needs of the <coughs> many would probably outweigh the needs of one person getting yeah. a slightly headache. I think it was you it know? was actually it was just an example of what will you do if you've been pushed to the wall. Yeah, I mean, this and is I a, agree like, with it's, you. you. It's it's not it's not interesting to tell stories about people who always go by the middle road. Eventually, you have to look at the extremes, and sure. then he hit his extreme. It's and not I pleasant, love that but it's scene though. Yeah, and it's not pleasant, but it's not supposed to be pleasant. No, it's supposed to be ugly. Yeah, you know? and I and love it, it when she in 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 he does it with the one hand, and she's just like you're not going to get anything, and he's just like boom, two hands, and yeah. you're like oh, you're just it's like, on. You're just like shit going real, you know. <laughs> Like, yeah, and I like that she was the conspirator the whole time. And I do, I agree with their choice after seeing the movie and knowing what happens, obviously. I like thinking that it was good, it was a new character because yeah. you didn't want to see, um, Sarek, uh, Savic, Savic, sorry, Savic. go bad. No, no, that's that would have been really shitty, too. but it's true. The, the similarities between the characters, you can definitely tell there was a rewrite in Hall. Oh, some totally. Yeah, and if there exactly. isn't, like I said, the online reports are very conflicty on mm. if there is or isn't. Mm. And I'm kind of like, well, even if there isn't, but I, I don't want to see Savic go bad I don't because either. you, you, she maybe has Spock baby. And yeah. you know, also, Spock. we've known her for a long time, and that. To be betrayed by a character that we met at the beginning of the movie is different than being betrayed by a character that we've known for like the past twenty exactly. years. Yeah, that's so different. just to have a random new Vulcan show, it's fine. like that's fine. I was I was aware the second we met her and when they said her name, I'm like, oh, I thought that was oh, it's not, but it probably at one point was. Sure, so I knew yeah. what was going on writing wise. Now I have a question for you. Sure. So a mock time, we've got you know Spot going into Pomfar, and then a f- literally a great episode. It was a wonderful episode. It's, yeah. So, but he broke ties with his intended at the end of that yeah, episode. Yeah, so it was a weird episode. Yeah. So, but yeah, but she wanted to go with somebody else and then he broke the ties and everything. Yeah. So, I don't know about enough about Vulcan physiology. Do we have episodes where he went into Pomfar again? I or don't does he so. And but does he still go into Pomfar now that he's not promised to someone? Yeah, every 7 years a Vulcan technically goes into Pomfar. But we never saw that no. with Spock ever again. Well, I mean we saw the two Pomfars on the Genesis planet. True, true. But maybe he gets to 
maybe they're so old they no longer require pond farm. Maybe I mean it was you never get really said. It's like Vulcan menopause. That yeah, kind of thing, like maybe you know? Vulcan menopause happens. <laughs> I suppose because um, but it just occurred to me today. I was watching that. I was like, we never did. I mean, he's he however old he's supposed to be in the rebooted movies. Sure. You know, where, I mean, he would have a lot of seven years have gone by at that point, especially for a Vulcan. How old is he supposed to be? Two hundred something. It's a lot of. I, I have to go with Vulcan menopause because I just don't think at any. But also, um, in the Voyager episodes, Tuvok, which is actually where we really got to talk about Pond Farm right, more, right? Was in those and in a, even in Enterprise a little bit, but not as much. But Tuvok says like there are people. That do meditate the pond far away. Oh, interesting. Like okay. the, if you if you study long and hard enough, you can meditate past it. Okay. I would believe Spock is one of those dudes. Eventually, also half yeah. human, so maybe he yeah. doesn't get it as hardcore as say yeah. like Tuvok or some other Vulcan. Yeah. Um, now, when he when he went into pond far, obviously it's the drive itself, mm-hmm. and that's it. But is it? necessarily tied to who he was intended to is that part of the drive or is it just he had to go there because that's who he was supposed to have sex with i think that's what it is again 60s it's kind of very Mm. i'm pretty because even in the documentary when they were like talking about well we need a symbol well we'll just do that thing at the end which i love is that tied to jewish culture too and i'm like that's awesome because you're like yeah now we have the vulcan symbol yeah i feel a lot of that shit was written right on the set and they didn't really have an idea well he's going to a pun Nobody had any yeah. idea how it's like. It's just like most of the tropes with Doctor Who, the things that we love the best. Nobody had any idea how no. popular that show was going to be, and like that the Daleks would be popular. That the fact that the first actor they had wasn't one going to do it, and he's like, fine, he dies and comes back again, and now sure. that's like the major part yeah. of Doctor Who. I mean, fifty they, years later, we now could they can really like I. I would be interested in the next new movie because we've had three movies now, and you have to assume. They've been at space uh, about almost seven years. Yeah. Like, they really probably should address the Pon Far situation in the next movie. Especially if he's still with Uhura, which or we don't if know if not. he's not. Yeah, yeah he exactly. was so up in the air. And um, and what was it? The Oh, there was one episode in the original series where a woman asked. like She's like, so you can't make love to anybody for seven years? And he's just like, no. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean he can't. Yeah. He just... That's when he needs to. Right. And that's what I'm wondering. It's like with him and Uhura, I forget, in the new movies, they definitely showed them doing some makey-outy time for sure. But is he... Oh, I have to assume they're sleeping together. I would hope so, because Uhura seems like a woman with needs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't like the idea of her going out without sex for seven no. years. That's not fair. <laughs> no, but I do like in the original series when Uhura just like, tell me about the moons of Vulcan. A Vulcan has no moon. I'm, I'm not, not surprised. surprised. I love that scene. <laughs> like, you're just like, yep, that says a they, lot. They they showed <laughs> a lot of great in the documentary. They showed a lot of great classic scenes, scenes yeah. that you'd forgotten, scenes that you didn't know what was going on in the background. Like the first time that we hear Spock say "fascinating," he tells about how you know it's like they're coming on this thing and it's out in space and it's weird and everybody's going crazy and he's supposed to say "fascinating." He's like. Fascinating, and the director's like, "No, be different from everybody else. Everybody yeah. else is losing their shit, and you're looking at it as a scientist." And I like was that he was talking about seeing Harry Belafonte and how mm-hmm. he didn't move a lot, but when he did move, the audience went nuts, yes. and that's how he developed the eyebrow. Yep. And you're just like, "Yeah, little things like that are what makes Spock Spock. Yep. Those are the things we want to see yep. in the movie." Um, I I to this day still cannot, and I cried up even in the documentary. Mm. 
anytime they show that scene from Wrath of Khan. Oh my God, I yes. Always tear up. And it's they just, show it right in the beginning. Like, yeah, the, get it out of the way. Like, the, music, <laughs> the, mo- the, the documentary gets started. And I started watching it this morning because, of course, I did what I usually do. I'm like, oh, I'll totally watch it. I started it today. Yes. It's how you do. But it started, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I need to watch this. And like five minutes in, and I'm literally getting yeah. teary. I'm it's just, just, it was like, even the beginning of. Um, the search for Spock. They open the movie with them showing you his yes. death. So kind of like, hey, remember he died in the last one. Yeah, yeah we're aware. <laughs> we are. Like, we know. But Spock guess what? We died. know. We know. But we're gonna cry again anyway. Yeah. It's gonna like, get us. No, anytime. Like uh, that is probably. Yeah. Like I always kind of because again, being nerds, I think of lists yeah. and like Spock dying. Probably my top three things that still make me cry. Absolutely. Because it said, and it, and it would not have been as successful if it hadn't been for the talent of both those dudes it's in that true. scene. Like, granted, Nimoy is out showing yeah. Shatner, but Shatner is what he. I think Shatner's good at really, really good at one thing in his acting: reactions. Yes. Yes. He may not be good at starting off the scene, but his <laughs> reactions to what is. Playing off the other actor, that's what I think Shatner is actually quite good at. Yeah, he is. And his reaction to that whole scene is so good that that is a good scene. And even um, Bones and Scotty in the background watching, even they're just kind of like, oh, shit got real. You know? um, I thought it was really interesting how they had a lot of, they had, they had, audio and video from a lot of his co-stars, you know, everybody, um, George Takei and Michelle Nichols and all mm-hmm. these people and everything. And a lot of the new cast. A lot of the new which cast I was, talking to. Which I was impressed with. Yeah, yeah. I, Simon Pegg. It's wonderful to hear him talk about his experiences. But they at one point had Shatner talking about the fact about how the movie, the TV show was originally supposed to be about him mm-hmm. and said all this attention is on Spock and he said he went to Roddenberry and Roddenberry explained it to him and this is Shatner talking, yeah. explained it to him that if people love Spock, then they love Star Trek and the whole show does well and he said and from that point on, I was fine with it and I'm like, oh, no, you, no, bullshit, you bullshit. It's, no. it's great, the problem with Shatner and I, the separate is I love Shatner. Yes, oh, yeah, I, he's I, I love him but he drives me crazy when I read stuff like that. Because no one can dispute it now. Mm. Like Roddenberry, Nemo, dead. Yeah. No one can be like, the only one who's always been very vocal about keeping him in check is Decay. Yeah, yeah. Decay calls it because they don't like one another. So Decay will call him out like, oh, Bill. Yeah. Stop it. You're just like, yeah. I think Catherine said she saw some, uh, there was an interview, I guess they were talking about when Takei got married. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was a big deal because he was married to oh, his Oh, yeah, he didn't invite work. Shatner. He well, got all bitchy. But that was the thing. Yeah. Everybody, you know, you see Shatner and he's saying, you know, oh, I didn't go because I wasn't invited. And I think it's Nichelle Nichols who, like, they show a reaction shot. She, like, rolls her eyes. Yeah. They say that he was invited and he just chose not to yeah, go. He, yeah. Was it George was on, I forget what. Oh, he was on. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey has a podcast that's right. actually quite enjoyable nice. if you can get past Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert um, but Jacay was on there and they were talking about it and he was saying that like he goes the only time Bill brings up the rivalry is when Bill needs to sell a new book or sure. pimp out a new show. Sure. That's when he brings up. He goes, other than that, they're normally pretty cool. Yeah. Like at conventions and whatnot. He goes, but when Bill needs to sell something, that's when they're like, oh, well, me and George don't like one another. Uh, <laughs> and you're just like. <laughs> yeah, I remember now, uh, as far as I know, Harlan Ellison is still alive. I mean, he's still kicking it. He's um, the guy who wrote the original um, uh, City, what is it? Uh, City on the Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, or yeah, City on the Edge of Tomorrow or Forever. What is it? 
City on the Edges Forever. I think so. Yeah, I think that's the one. The classic episode. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the guy who wrote that and also hated Roddenberry. I mean, he just yeah. like, because Roddenberry, I think, messed with the script and uh, he doesn't like the, the formulaic nature of a lot of shows where these characters go through these heart-wrenching things and next episode everybody's fine. Well, that's a lot of the problem with the original series. And even Next Gen 2, yeah. an extent, is just, at least... And that's the thing is Ronald Moore was one of the few people who were like, you can't mention something in this and then never mention and then it again. It's and Mary was like, there. I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you mean you don't understand? But like, Har- Harlan yeah. Ellison had many other problems with Rodney. Oh, sure, Not sure, a real yeah. fan. And he's also, Harlan Ellison has a problem with a lot of people. And that's fair. That's fair. But he talks about the experience of being on set when that is being filmed and here's he sees Shatner with a copy of his script that he wrote, and Shatner's just pouring over and pouring over, and he felt really good until he found out someone told him Shatner's counting lines to make sure that Spock doesn't have more lines than he does. So yeah, it's that's, just that's it, a thing. It happens. It's just one of those things. Just like, what do you care? It's very important you know, to him. That's his personality. To him. Yeah, and that's the thing is, it's very important to him. Yeah, like from all accounts, Nimoy didn't give a fuck. No, like. Either did anybody else. But it's easy family. for but it's easy for Nimoy not to give a fuck when he was clearly the most that's important true. He person is, on the Spock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, can, you he know, can be very fair. gracious about the fact that everybody likes him best. Yeah, sure. no, it, that's that's a true statement. You you can be. Yeah, <laughs> I did like what they told. I mean, hearing Takei and um, uh, Coing and all these people talking about their experiences, and that when they were first going to do the animated series, Nichelle Nichols and Takei... Oh, I love that. That was good. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. they had gotten, you know, obviously Nimoy and Shatner, and I think Cohen. All the white people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it really came down to. They hadn't gotten that, and then it was apparently Leonard Nimoy who said, this show has always been about diversity. If you're not going to invite those people who represent the diversity here, then I'm not interested in no, doing it's, it. And it's a good call, because it's, it's honestly, he, he's not even wrong in the slightest. No. Like, it's kind of like, oh, well, we're going to show um, the future, but it's the white future. Yeah, and right. you're just like, but that's not how it is. No, and that's not what Star Trek did right no, from God, the get-go. No, God, from the, from the get-go, that is not what it's about. That's why watching yeah. that episode where Uhura says that line, I just hadn't, that was kind of unheard of to have a character, she's up on the bridge, she's important, she's talking to somebody who's like either... A greater rank than her, an equal sure, rank, yeah. and she's speaking to them like an equal, you know. And, it's, it's, and I love that they've carried that into all the movies, yep. even though, and in that, and I say that in the sense that everyone is still equal, yeah. Except the movies are always about Spock, Spock Kirk, and, Kirk and McCoy, and sure. that's fine because they're the three main characters, yes. and then there's everybody else. Yes, um, but she is still always represented. She's still always there, even though she never got much to do. Yeah, which is nice that the newer movies were like, you know, we're gonna give Ohura. A lot to do. Now, I don't think in Star Trek Beyond she had as much to do because then they brought in Jayla. And I yeah. feel that Jayla got a lot of the badass lady kick-ass scenes. Yeah, I felt like Uhura was, Uhura was there for exposition purposes a lot Kinda, of times. And different. I don't want to say that she got relegated to that role. No. But on a, on a positive night, a positive side of Star Trek Beyond, though, is that everyone got switched around. Mm-hmm. So that was what kind of made it interesting is that you had Ohura and um, Sulu. They never they Ever. never have scenes. No, never. So it was like, okay, there's their adventure and then there's Spock and fucking McCoy. <laughs> Which was wonderful. Who, knew, who the hell knew that those... I mean, we all know those two are interesting together. Yeah. But without Kirk, you weren't quite sure. And then you're like, oh, 
that's the greatest duo since, you know, Abbott and Costello. And the, the <laughs> wonderful thing is even they, it's, it's almost like you can see the characters, like they didn't say anything, but even the characters seem to be like, what are we going to do without Kirk around yes, here? Like, we rely like, we need, on him to like... Where's the buffer? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable without him here. And I like that we even got to see um, Kirk and Chekhov. Because mm-hmm. again, those are two people who not necessarily would have a lot of interaction on the ship other yep. than... Hey, check off, do what I say, yep. and you do it. Yeah, you run around being the whiz kid. Yeah. That's what your role is. And, and I think that's what I really liked about that movie most is that they switched all the partners up. Yep. And then yep. Scotty was kind of bounced around between everybody because yep. he's Scotty. Yeah. And he also wrote it, so he can do yeah. that. I was going to say, you could definitely tell he wrote that because oh, he God, had a lot yeah. to do. Yeah. Scotty <laughs> had the most Scotty will ever do again. <laughs> yep. Oh, like, yeah. Well, he even said in that interview, he was like, what you want, you might, you, you put you in the movie mm-hmm. if you write it. I was yeah. like, well, it's fair. But uh, didn't uh, what's yeah. his face? Um, uh, was it? I always forget if it's Carl Urban or Keith Urban. It's Carl. Urban. Carl Urban. Keith yes, Urban is the guy that was. Yeah. He's married to Nicole Kidman. That's the one. Which okay. is like, where'd you two meet? I have no well, idea. Well, I guess you're both Australian, so I guess. Also, it's better that she's with him and not Tom Cruise. So I'm like, allegedly, yes, you're right. <laughs> They're listening. <laughs> Sorry, the Scientologists. So, oh my god! I'm so sorry. <laughs> Apparently, some of my coworkers downtown have been approached by Scientologists. Oh, they're everywhere. Yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. I've never, I've never seen them around in San Diego. Oh uh, yeah, you flick on a light switch like Roche. <laughs> uh, Can I ask you about allegedly. a street? It's a thing. Do you remember we were walking through Comic Con at one point with someone who saw they said free stress test, and he's like, "Oh, what's that about?" And we're like, "No, no don't." No, 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 yeah, Carl Urban. Oh, <laughs> I heard thanks for bringing me back. I'm like, Scientologist. Carl with a K. The Scientologists <laughs> wipe my brain. That's what they do. So I'm kidding. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Carl Urban was almost not going to be in the movie because he didn't feel like he had had enough to do in the previous movie. It's fair. A lot of people didn't have, well, that last mm. Ugh, Star Trek Beyond. Oof. Uh, you're, you're talking or about in the, the second, darkness. In the darkness. Uh, yeah. I didn't even mind it that much. Ooh, first two acts are great. I actually, well, first I, two acts are decent. <laughs> I kind of think I like it a little bit better than the third one. That's fair. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> and there's some really, for some reason, the music in the second one, I really adore. I think that carries you very much through, though, because you, you, you're very much into the score. Yeah, yeah. And you really like the score of that one. Like yeah. we, I mean, and I say that because you've brought it up several times Many so times. i know that that is something in your yes but i will say the score in the third one was not as good it's like it, i don't yeah. remember it as much as i do That's remember what I was it gonna the first say. two i don't remember it being bad i don't sure, remember it ever taking but at the same time there's nothing that i remember no. about it i never remember there is no scene in the in the third one mm-hmm. where the ship rises up out of the clouds <laughs> and kicks scene. ass yes, yes you're just kind of like oh there's the ship oh there goes the ship yep, yep. oh now we have an old ship <laughs> Yeah, that was an interesting choice. I was like, yeah. oh, we've, we've had a, a movie where the ship gets destroyed already. For some reason, I didn't expect it. I mean, even though it is the third one, exactly. we needed to have It always happen. happens eventually. Yeah, it yeah. does. You know, they can't keep from blowing those ships up. Um, but, yeah, I think the, 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 the if you're a fan of... The documentary is a good documentary. Mm-hmm. And it's... You cry, you laugh your ass off because yes. there's a lot of stuff. And then it is very nice to talk... Or to hear, no, like he was talking to us. Yeah. Um, you get to hear Nimoy's thoughts and views on acting. Yep. And I didn't know a lot of his life story, where he came from, so it was nice to hear that. Um, I liked that he talked about being on Mission Impossible, and then after a couple seasons, he was like, I get it, I'm tired of being the guy yeah. that plays the Indian, yeah. who plays the Arab, who plays the Indian again, who, who plays, plays the, the Mexican. Who plays who play, the blind guy. And you're yeah, just like, I like, get it, but... 
you know, and he's just like, after a while, and I was like, well, at least he was honest about it. Yeah. You know, and he went on to do several things. I, I mean, I the man the fact, truly was an artist. He was. Yeah. I like the fact him talking about being part of professional theater. I think there's still mm-hmm. this idea with a lot of people that you go into theater when you can't do anything else. Yeah. And he went into it because he really genuinely loved it. And there is something, I mean, if you talk to people, the difference between stage acting and movie acting is really... Ex- those are extreme differences. And for yes. some people, they just they really like the one better than the other. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's a shame when you see a brilliant stage actor mm-hmm. not understand oh. how to act in a movie. Because yeah. they, they still act like they're on the stage, and you're like, oh, you're a stage actor. Everything is big and yeah. bold you and broad. You have to project to yes. the back row. And you're just like, you don't... You can, which is, which is interesting. Mom, uh, recently, like, Mom retired from being a stage manager, but she still takes jobs from time to time. Oh, sure, she's, she's my mom. Yeah. She got tapped to be the stage manager of a show in Clearwater, and it was so apparent that everybody else, the directors, the producers, most of the tech people, they only had TV and movie experience. They had never done a theater production. Oh, no production whatsoever. Well, no, the actors were okay. It's just... Everything that everybody was doing, they were so clearly out of their depth. It yeah. was apparently, I mean, I should get her to tell you the story of the production <laughs> at some point. Because all she, she was, um, I guess they called um, production stage manager. So she sure, was there sure. through the rehearsal process up until the opening night. And then after it's turned over to somebody else, it was a clusterfuck. Oh, it I'm was sure, just yeah. amazing. But it's a really entertaining story, too. So Have you, you know? ever seen the movie or uh, watched the Noises Off? Yes, yes. It, that's how I always imagine. That's a great terrible production. Productions. Yes. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. I've seen a live production. Of no, that. I'd like to see a live production Ooh, of it one day. That's it impressive. It's not a show that's very often done anymore because it, it is an older show, mm-hmm. and a lot of people do the newer stuff, which mm-hmm. is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, what was so funny? That this has nothing to do with anything we talked about except stage stuff. It's fine. Um, I don't know if you're aware, Bette Midler is doing Hello Dolly yes. on Broadway, right? Yes. And they just put the marquee up last week. Yeah. And, you know, it said. Bat Mantler, Hello Dolly. This is so stupid on people. People thought they spelled her name wrong. Because, um, I guess, I don't know how they thought Bet was spelled. Yeah. Or maybe they thought her name was Betty. Really? Like, all these tweets to the theater were like, how dare you spell her name wrong? That's not how you spell her name. What? And And they were like, yeah, that's, that, that's how she spells, spells her, her name. name. Yeah. If you're a fan... Maybe you would know that, like, but the, but the, the theater the was very, now. very um, snarky. Yes, it was. They good were, for them. It was good for them. Yeah, like it was very much like, have you listened to her album? Like, so do you have you be, seen the way that she that spells it? Must like, be so interesting for her if she becomes aware of that. Because I don't know, maybe she's not on the internet. Oh, either. who knows? Yeah, but yeah. But oh no, she tweets a lot. She is on the. Oh, internet. okay, yeah. all right. Okay. She's been taken at the Trump. Since last year. Which is good. Yeah. Which is good. But wouldn't it be funny to be that person? To be like, all these people complaining about my name not being spelled right, and my name is spelled right, but at the same time, it's like all these people leaping to my defense. You sure. Know? You're like, it's for the totally wrong reasons, but sentiment, yay. Oh, well, was it having laughing my ass off last year? You, did you hear the um, Barbara Streisand called the CEO of Apple, mm-hmm. to complain about how Siri says her name wrong. Really? Oh, it was hilarious. Really? She even talked about it on talk shows. Like, it was, it's a real thing. <laughs> good, like, good. Like, she says, Siri says, Streisand. Uh, and uh, she goes, it's a soft S, Streisand. And I was just like, <laughs> Siri's a robot. Yeah. She can't maybe distinguish between a soft or hard S, Barbara. No, I don't think the technology <laughs> is quite there yet. <laughs> the fact that she's... 
Streisand, that she can call the CEO of Apple and be like, look, dude, yeah, it's saying my name wrong. I, I guess <laughs> also, if you reach that level many, of stardom. But also, how many times is someone asking Siri to say her name? True, like, did yeah. she do it just out of curiosity? They're like, they're saying it wrong. I mean, I know that they're going to say your first name when they talk to you and everything, but sure. does she insist that her computer speak to her by her first and last name? Oh, God, I hope so. I think that like, must be Miss it. Barbara Streisand. Streisand. I was about to say, you will say it right and you will say the whole thing. Goddamn computer not respecting me. I mean, just the, the audacity of that is someone who does not live on the same planet that you are Oh, I obviously, yeah. No. Like, I've it's... said it before, and I think, this, I think Kevin Smith is one of his greatest lines is that when he had to deal with prince and and his prince's people were like you have to understand prince lives in prince world yeah. prince doesn't understand your world so if prince says i want a purple camel at 3 a.m <laughs> he doesn't understand why we can't get it one right <laughs> he's just like right. what <laughs> like i don't understand i'm that. telling you man that life i'm like all right that's fine i don't understand you or any of your problems no. but that's okay that's all right. But all right, we'll wrap up with Spock is the best, and yeah, and he is. I I mean I like you said you and your sister you saw Spock and you were like I want to know what this show yes. is. I have to imagine I did the same. I I can't, I don't have a clear cut memory of when or how or why I started to love Star Trek. I know it was Wrath of Khan though. Okay, because the show had been off the air for so many years. Of course. Was it reruns continuously? Yeah, yeah. But I believe I remember watching Wrath of Khan first, not having a clue that there was a show. Right. Like, I had seen the majority of the movies, well, at least the first two or three, because then I started seeing them in the theaters because I'm right. old enough. Yes. But, like, I don't think I realized there was a TV show until Next Gen. Got it. And then even then, I was still like, what is this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I like this. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we've talked before about how Catherine and I had discovered Star Trek, and I believe it was the TV shows. Sure. Because I think we actually we, read... You said the books you guys well, had we read the, the library no- or something. We read the novelization of the second movie before we ever even saw the second movie. Sure. So, but yeah... I, I still feel though that like we were into the old generation for like a minute mm-hmm. and then Next Generation was coming out and we're like, ah, oh, what's this? Why are they going to change it? And then we watched Next Generation and we're like, oh, I like this better. So, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's weird. Like I don't remember, I don't have clear cut memories because I know my parents love Star Trek, my mom more than my dad. Um, and I know that they'd watch it. Right. And I have to assume that's where I picked it up, but I don't remember. I think it was, because you watch the old show, it is a very kid friendly show what? as far as the um the writing is very simple. It has a clear cut message, but very primary bright colors. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of monsters of the week. Yeah, kinda. so yeah. like it is very feasible for a kid around eight to twelve to be like, ooh. Yeah, I like all of this. You know, so I I have to assume that's where it captured my imagination. Yeah. Also, Ricardo Montalban's hair. <laughs> I do strangely remember going like, what is going on with this dude? I have heard from several people to this day that that chest was his real chest. Uh, Nicholas Meyer on the DVD confirmed that is all Montauban. Be darn. And and I know people that are like, nah, it's fake. I'm like, why would the director say it's not? Yeah. At like, this point, it yeah, would At this 30 point, years later, who give a fuck? But really, you're not going to lose any credit by admitting that it was a prosthetic. It but, looks you know, like it. I mean, it moves when it, he moves. It does. I mean, it's <laughs> just as Montauban at his age, you just wouldn't expect his chest to be that shiny. Sure. You know? But I think the hair made him look older than what he really was. That's also true. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Because that gray doesn't help anybody. No. Also, no. the cut. I mean, 
Yeah, but it was so classic for the day. Sure. <laughs> I think that that hairstyle was probably in style for about five minutes after that movie came out, and then it was gone. Five you know? short Very minutes. Very short minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all right. So, all right. We here at the uh, headquarters definitely recommend watching The Love of, for the Love of Spock. It's on Netflix. You can watch it at your leisure. It's really, really good. Like, I, it made me... It definitely rejuvenated my love for Spock. Yeah. Like, because I've always loved Spock, so... To have a whole documentary that talks about it was nice. And in case you're wondering, they actually do get into the slash fiction with Spock and Kirk. Oh, they which do thought, talk about it. For it a is, bit. but it's a thing that exists. They do mention it. It is probably one of the first ones I ever remember hearing about. Slash. Was, this, was this Spock and Shatner? Yeah, yeah. Or Kirk, because <laughs> okay. to me they're the same person it, at this it, point. Well, that, <laughs> that's totally fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. But all right, that is us for this week. I am Leland, and this is uh, Elizabeth. Well, bye, everybody. Man waiting in the sky